Hello, everybody, and welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who's respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by my colleague, Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our Faster Masters. Nice to be here. It's very nice to be here. And now I'm going to kick off with something that I forget so regularly, which is to show people the wonderful photograph that is behind me. Take a look at that. That is Lake Bled in Slovenia. And they had the European Masters Champs there, I think, this past weekend. So wonderful, wonderful photo. Rustam Zignafskin sent that in. And uh, what a what he he actually had a whole ton of pictures, but wasn't that glorious? Yeah, that was beautiful, beautiful. Years ago, I did I actually did a master's camp at Bled one year back in uh, two thousand. I think it was two thousand eleven, perhaps. But um, wonderful place, and you know, in Slovenia, just as a little FYI, um, no motorboats are allowed on lakes, and the only motorboat motorboats are only allowed on Lake Bled. During a regatta, they cannot use motorboats to coach at Lake Bled. That's the same any other lake, lake that, that I row on. Motorboats mm -hmm. are there for safety, except at regattas where obviously they follow the races for umpiring. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it keeps the water amazingly clean. Although I kind of think electric coach boats must be a thing for the future. Well, at Crafts at Craftsbury, the the coach boats are all electric now. So they're the, you know, they're the pontoon boats, the smaller pontoon boats with mm -hmm. electric motors. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, it does. I mean, it makes a huge difference. And actually one of the real benefits is the motor is not noisy. So exactly. you don't, you don't have to talk over the motor, which is really nice, mm -hmm. but you need enough juice to be able to keep up with fast. You know, the, the yeah. thing is keep having enough juice to keep up with fast crews with singles. Yeah. You can, you can do it, but if they're really fast, you know. <laughs> There's a guy I interviewed in the UK called Simon Johnson who makes an electric uh, coach boat. So if anyone's interested, go and have a look in uh, the Rowing Chat website on the directory um, and you will you will find a link to Simon and his business. Now, this the next big thing that's coming up for Marlene and myself is next week on the 6th of October, we're doing the Rigging for Masters webinar. We had a few questions about it. And so if you haven't yet bought your ticket, it's at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash rigging. Just to be really clear, this is a standalone seminar webinar with our three experts, Mike Purser, Mike Davenport and Volker Nolte, plus Marlene and myself. It is not included as part of our training program subscriptions. So if you're a subscriber to the training program, you're not going to get this for free as part of your subscription. It is a standalone product. Um, we obviously very much hope that you'll find it useful and worthwhile. And a reminder that if you do buy a standalone product, you have lifetime access to it. You will always be able to get back in and rewatch it, re-download any of the collateral. So for example, we know that we are going to be sharing a lot of really useful rigging charts, particularly the ones that Vulcan Nolte has been developing for all of the different popular ore designs and the different spoon designs 
So that's going to be a resource that, trust me, that alone is worth the price of the webinar. So if you haven't yet bought your ticket, please buy it. And we very much hope that we'll see you live. If not, it is, of course, recorded and you'll be able to watch it later for the nice lady in Perth, Australia, who got in touch and said, it's 2 a.m. for us. <laughs> yes, we understand. Definitely. We understand. This past week is the place where Marlene and I talk about the advocacy work that we're doing for Masters Rowing around the world. And I'm going to kick off. I have started some discussions with a couple of rowing federations who want to improve their offering for Masters. So if you are listening and you think that the federation who runs rowing in your country could up their game, please get in touch with us and find out who the person is at the federation who's in charge of, for example, memberships or education. Sometimes it's coach education. Sometimes it's general education. Um, very few have magazines, sadly, anymore. Um, but if you can find out who that person is and introduce us, we would love to go and talk to them. What's your week been, Molly? My week has been very good, actually. Very nice water on, uh, to be on the water this week. But um, I should mention that we had the head racing article on the Ludum website. Indeed. That, yeah. that came up. That came up recently for us. And, um, and my next article, which I submitted this week, which will come up on um, Rowing Magazine, Rowing News Magazine, is about fartlek training, which is a really fun style of training. Um, so it's a nice way to do intervals and be creative with it. And especially since it's head racing season, um, do some practices that are a little bit more like being in actual race situations when you might have to respond to passing crews or obstacles or collisions going fast, slowing down, you know, variability. So Bartlett training is a, is a really nice way to um, kind of do some race simulation type work. So that's mm -hmm. what I was writing about this week for Rowing Magazine, which will come out in the next issue. That's fantastic. I'll see if I can find the link to the head racing article. We had a fantastic email from um, someone who's preparing for the Head of the Charles on our Head of the Charles um, program. And it was really interesting because... In analyzing the race afterwards, he said that he realized he had been a little bit too cautious in his approach. Marlene, can you talk through what were the key things that were the learnings that came out from that? Well, I think you're plus your first race of the year, you're probably always a little bit cautious, right? And And I think that that's definitely something in head racing where kind of you have to build confidence to know that you can row that race pace. So I think having the fact that he had this early race and can build on that for upcoming head of the Charles, you know, gives more confidence that, you know what, I could, I can get into a rhythm and push that early race a little bit harder because you do have to have, it's not just mm. mental confidence. You have to have confidence in your fitness and you have to prove to yourself that you can do it. Um, you have to be able to do it. So often I'll recommend to people, you know, think of this like a 2000 meter race, but just keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, you have to, you have to build up a little bit. And I know, I know Rebecca always has a really good strategy for the first minute or two of the race to build up the rhythm and get the boat going. And, you know, 
and then and then build upon that. But um, and th and that's definitely definitely important to get in sync, get in rhythm, get your flow going. But um, but I think you know knowing that you've got the fitness, if you've been doing the training and you've been zeroing in on, especially like in, in the head racing program, you know, we, we give some very specific guidelines in a workout, how to zero in on what your rate is right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you can do that, you can be pretty confident you can do that in a race, given all factors are yeah. equal and good, you know, not if you didn't sleep the night before or, you, you know, you ate the wrong food or something like that. But like we're saying that all conditions are, are very uh, stable and yeah. you're rested and ready to go. You know, it's a very good indication of how you, how you can row. So I think you can be confident doing that. So, um, but you know, the experience getting one or two races under your belt before out of the Charles definitely helps for sure. Yeah, it does. And I think one of the good things about a preparatory race is that it's an opportunity to deliberately make mistakes. So an obvious mistake might be deliberately try and see if your mid-race rating could be one point higher than you think it probably should be and see what effect that has on the overall. You're not throwing away the possibility of a win. What you're doing is testing under race conditions your capabilities. And you could say, right, I'm just going to try this for three minutes or two minutes of the race. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try going over at 27 instead of 26. And then you'll know then you'll have a whole load of data that you can analyze afterwards. What was the boat speed like? Did it affect your steering? Was your rhythm disrupted? Mentally, how did you feel? Physically, how did you feel? And so that's the sort of thing where you can do these little experiments. And the good thing about them is that it's in race conditions. Mm -hmm. If you Absolutely. do it in training, it's just not quite the same. Yeah, it's different. It's different. And, and you know, your trials, you can experiment in your trials. Push the envelope here. Try a little bit different strategies. Again, make your mistakes in your trials. That's what they're yeah. for, to help refine the race plan. But it the could. race has that added element of the night before. <laughs> you know yeah and one of our live watchers has said so i can use the results of the 5k piece last saturday to see what i can hold absolutely that's exactly what we're doing and remember the goal of your head race as in all races but it's particularly noticeable because head races are that much longer your goal is to hold the maximum boat speed you can sustain for the entire different distance that's it it isn't any more complicated than that except that we know that there are so many variables that go into it that it can feel like, well, what if, if I change two things instead of one thing? And what was the outcome? Mm -hmm. And Oh, it was windy when I went around that corner or I steered poorly. So actually, this is one of the reasons I personally love head racing so much. There are so many things that you have to string together successfully to have a great outcome that the challenge for me is always there. No, absolutely. And, you know, if you take a race like the head of the Charles in Boston, I, can, I think I can say with all honesty that to win that race, you have to do everything perfectly because it's so complicated with the steering. Um, you know, you, you can lose 15 or 20 seconds like nothing if you don't steer correctly. You can hit a bridge. You, you can clash with another crew. 
Um, it just depends. But I mean, honestly, I think if one little thing goes off, if that race is so competitive, you will not win the race unless it's perfect. And, you know, when it's perfect, somebody usually say, oh, my gosh, I just rode a perfect race. I mean, you know, over and over again, they'll come back with that. But there's just because it's so complicated that it really tests the skill of the athlete all around, you know, mentally, physically, steering wise, obstacle wise, yeah. <laughs> everything, buoys. Yeah, totally. It, you know, and that is the challenge. And if you enjoy challenges, challenging yourself, um, that is one of the reasons I like rowing so much. Ab absolutely. Remember when we did the racing starts challenge and Leslie Wright was our guest and she uh, on YouTube has that race of the Chinook crew that set the record. Um, I did the training program for that crew and it is her coxing this race and they had to come to a complete stop in the middle of the race and then start again. And they still won with the course record. But um, if you look up Chinook on YouTube, that, that is, you can watch that race of her coxing and it's, it's amazing. So it'll mm -hmm. give you a feel for the course, no yeah. doubt. They had to do that for context because a crew was cutting across in front of them near a bridge. And so in order to take the corner well, she decided they needed to stop and then restart. I mean, it was momentary, but the yeah. entire crew stopped easy or way enough and then rode off again. Very interesting. It's great, great tactics from her. Yeah, yeah. Well, she didn't want to T-bone that other eighth, which would have been very bad, right? So you don't want to be in the bow seat, right? So... Now, our big topic this week is tools for rowing. And we thought it would be a great place to start would be to ask Marlene to show us what's in her tool bag. So over to you, Coach. Okay. Well, first I'll show you, if I'm just out rowing in my single, this is the mini tool bag. Okay. So, so these are the things that I always keep with me just in case something goes wrong. And... Um, one of the things I think is most important is a wrench for your whichever size your top nut is on your orlock, because that's obviously fairly critical in your in your single. If your top nut comes off and your orlock comes off, you're you're in bad shape out there on the water. So um, so I carry with me a 10 millimeter, which is the size of my top nut. Um, if you have a standard top nut top nut like a 716th, or it could be a half inch wrench carry that but carry whatever size wrench is your top nut wrench for your for your um orlock i think that's really critical i carry a small adjustable with me because you also have to think about the bottom of your orlock and your pin um and so so that could be a few different sizes um so you 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 can either carry the wrench for your size i carry an adjustable so that if if I feel that that bottom nut comes loose, I just routinely check it before I go out on the water. Um, I can always tighten it if I feel something's not right. And then I also have an adjustable in case um, I need it for something else. Um, depends how your rigger is attached to your boat. With my boat, I don't need tools to de-rig. I just have thumb, thumb screws for my wing. So I don't have to worry about that. But this is good and also, in case you're rowing with somebody else and they have a problem, if you've got an adjustable, you can usually help somebody else. The other little thing is a, a pusher outer. 
And uh, this little pusher outer is for those nasty little washers that you have to push out with your thumb if you want to change the height of your orlock. And um, I carry this with me most of the time so I can help somebody else because on my on my boat, mine are actually really easy to change. And since you're rowing your own boat, you usually don't have to change them that often. But sometimes when you're going to help somebody else on the water and, you know, I'll back up. This is when you do triple A on the water. You like, I back right in, back my stern right up under their rigger and come up to their oarlock and help them if they've got to adjust their height. So, um, so I carry the little pusher outer in case those washers are really tight. So that's what I carry routinely in my single along with a bungee cord. I always have a bungee cord in my boat in case I have to tie my boat up somewhere or um, if there's a situation somebody has to secure their their oar handles together like mm-hmm. somebody has to get in their boat and they need to hold yeah. their oarland but i always carry a bungee cord as well um huh. just to you know if i leave my boat on the water and i get in and run into the boathouse and come out i tie my boat up so i always have a bungee cord too is that one of those ones that has a metal hook on the end that they used to use for car roof racks exactly yep yep i have two how how long is it mine is probably Two foot, one foot? Probably two feet, two feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But I, I used to that, always keep, that keep time, yeah. a couple of them because we used to use bungee cords for um, when we were doing strength training, resistance training. Um, but uh, I haven't. Uh, right. Our best question so far, Tony Tarlow says, where do you find the pusher outer? So, Tony, we're going to let you into a secret. Am I allowed to do this, Molly? Can I, can yes, I reveal? Yes, yes, you are. So, we know that these are no longer available for sale. And so we are investigating getting a load of them made, but we want to be sure that there are people who would buy them if we were going to make them. So, Tony, question for you and everyone who's listening. If we pull together uh, an order for you know a couple of hundred of these, would you guys, Faster Masters, buy them? So there you go answers on a postcard no i'm joking about the postcard just get in touch with us tag us in social tell us what you think um we are literally in the process of getting prices for having them made right now and um yeah i think it would be it looks really really good so cc says margaret christopher makes them is she the lady you know marlene um i know her but i don't know if she does she make this exact one cc I don't know. Cece, get in touch with us and, and introduce us to Margaret. That sounds marvellous. Um, uh, yeah, there's a few people who who seem to think that uh, they would they would buy a pusher out of if we... I think there's we, there's probably more than one in, in the world, yes. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So, um, yeah. So, we, we will take a look at that. Thank you for the instant feedback from you wonderful people. Now, Marlene... When you're in a coach boat, you have a slightly different tool bag. What's, yes. what, what's in that mix? Okay, so I have, this is this is not my major rigging tool bag. I just have a little bag like this that I keep essential things in when I'm in the coach boat. Um, if I'm doing a serious rigging project, I have a big toolbox that has lots of other things. So I have in there the things I've already mentioned, my single, the adjustable wrench I have both metric and standard wrench for the top bolt, our pusher outer. And then I carry with me three screwdrivers. So I have 
This is the driver to adjust a concept two or to adjust the length of a concept two or. Then I have a flathead screwdriver and a Phillips head screwdriver because for croaker oars, I need a Phillips head screwdriver. And um, in concept two, if you have to undo the clamp mm. on the oars, that's a, that's a flat screwdriver. So, so then depending which oars people have, I can adjust that. This wrench is also, it's another 10 that I have. This, this is an eight. Okay. Yeah. And so the eight is little. And, and what the eight is for is if somebody's got stabilizing pontoons, the eight is the screw that attaches the bracket to the pontoons. So those are things we also routinely check because they're always, you know, they get moved around a lot. So we check those. And this is the eight in case that comes loose. I have a tape measure. That is metric. So it's both standard and metric. So I carry that with me. And this is a five meter tape. I carry a Sharpie magic marker with me. And every coach has white electrical tape and a pair of scissors. Ah. So white electrical tape, if you get a little ding on a boat, you've got a You've got to cover it right away. It's dry and you can cover it right away. You can put white electrical tape on it until you have a chance to repair it. Um, also, if we need to label things, I might use electrical tape and then also um, the marker to label yeah. things in the boathouse. Like things come up like, oh, the, you know, the ore label fell off and you have to make sure that the right oars go with the right boat. So these are the things I carry with me kind of all the time in the coach boat. And honestly, it's, it's very rare that I've ever been in a situation when this couldn't do enough to get us back to the boathouse. So um, yeah. that is the, that's the key, isn't it? The key is when you're on the water, can you get to the bank and back to the boathouse safely with a kind of running repair? Exactly. Exactly. You know, or sometimes like somebody's collar comes loose on their oar and that, that's usually, a, you know, difficult to row if you're, or has pushed through the entire or lock, right? So things, things like, you know, things like that. But but it usually, this has been, in general, this has been enough hmm. to yeah. to handle most things on, on the water. And it's not so bulky, you can't carry it around easily with you. That's the other important thing. What was so fun when we compared notes when we were planning this episode, that Marlene and I have very, very similar uh, tools for the coach boat. So I have um, a Stanley knife rather than the scissors. I have the electrical tape. I'm married to an electrician, as he always says. Tape is cheap. Use lots of it. So mm -hmm. I have I have all of those. I have a couple of other things. Like I have um, actually this this is I can never find it when I need it. I keep I am obsessive about picking up nuts and washers that I see lying around the boathouse, and I have this which is a little old-fashioned film canister of people are old enough to remember when we had uh, film. And inside there are all the nuts and washers and bolts and random things that I kind of found lying around in the grass because you never know when they might come in useful. And the rubber seal cap is really great because it, it grips. I mean, it doesn't need to be waterproof, but it is. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just a – so if you know someone who's a photographer, ask them to give you some of those. Yeah, that's nice because it's not too big and – and again, if you are out on the water with other people from your club and you know that the club boats use this size nuts, you know, in case something falls off a rigger, if you've got one or two spares, that can 
that can really save the day sometimes. Yeah, I'd just like to point out for the whole of the United States of America, the rest of the world is metric. We all use the same size nuts. Actually, having said that, there is one quad in our boathouse where one of the rigger bolts has an 11 millimeter nut. We don't quite know why, but it was probably an emergency repair back in the day and, and, and nobody ever changed it back. Right, right. So this one is a 10 and an 11. Yeah, at each but, end. But yeah, least. that's weird. Usually, usually they're 10, so. Yeah. So here's a, a nice uh, feedback from a listener. I'm short, so I always have a short bungee with me in my single because our dock isn't wide and I can use it to attach the dock side blade to the dock for stability when reaching to my water side or lock. I like that suggestion. I would say you might want to try when you're kneeling and leaning across your boat to try and reach that far side, try extending one leg backwards so that it's much further behind you. Even if the dock is narrow, you can do it parallel to the boat. Um, it's a little bit like the principle of going out on thin ice, you know, on a ladder so that you distribute your weight more evenly. You'll find yourself a little bit more secure. And our, Cece carries a beach anchor to secure her boat just off the shore and prevent it floating away from the rocks and the mussels if the wind picks up and she has to come in. Oh, very, that's very interesting. Cool. Yeah. 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 Spare hardware is really essential. It certainly is. Um, you can use the other end of the pusher outer to loosen super tight wind nuts, says LV Richards. Oh, very yes. Good. Laverne, that is a great point. Thank you. And nice to see Laverne from Vancouver. Yes. Hey, Laverne that's true. from Vancouver. I forget about wing nuts because I don't have them and I don't have any wing nuts in my boat just because my foot stretchers are, are a through bolt, but absolutely for club boats. Very good. Very good idea. I wonder if there's a tool to get that, those nasty little wing nuts underneath the tracks. Yep, there is. I have it. I knew you. So would have it. we have a club boat that actually the wing rigger attaches with wing nuts as well. So wing nuts are, you know, don't, don't forget them. Now, now's my time to shine because I'm going to show you my three favorite gadgets. I will say these are ones that are in my generic tool bag. They're not ones that I take in the boat. First off is this. So this is a 10 millimeter spanner wrench, but it has a long handle on it. And this is really, really good for when you want to change the height of the foot stretcher because usually the shoes attach with two or three nuts that are down the foot plate and it's really fiddly to try and get a normal spanner in between the two shoes in fact i have had situations where there it wasn't even space on either side of the nut to get a spanner in in order to rotate it particularly around the ball of your foot where the shoes are at their widest so this is a really really neat tool there are better versions of this which are like this because they have a T-bar handle. So you can mm -hmm. really get good purchase on them. So this one is really not very good for doing the final tightening or that first bit of unloosening on a very tight one. This one, however, is actually a hex. Um, uh, what do you call them? Allen key. Thank you. Yeah, Allen key um, or hex key. That's right. So but it give, you, you get the idea. I use this is my wing rigger does up with a with a hex key. Um, but you get the idea. So if it, it's a very handy thing to have, particularly if you want to adjust the height of your shoes. Now, my second favorite tool is this. 
You can see if I hold it right in front of my face. It is the exact shape of the Martinoli nuts, which are either the swing arms on your gate, and sometimes Martinoli nuts are used on foot stretchers, and they can get quite tight. So you can put this over the top and use it to loosen or tighten those nuts. And the tiny little slot, you can see there's a horizontal line below it, that is for the pinch finger thumb screws. Because again, even though they're a couple of centimeters high, sometimes they're quite hard to loosen. And it's a deliberately short little tool. As you can see, it's 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 made of nylon and it's just on, on a lanyard here. It's deliberately short because sometimes the foot stretchers are so close to the side of the boat. You, again, haven't got much angle or purchase to get onto the tool and then to rotate it. So you it's so frustrating when you have to put it on and twist a tiny bit, put it on again and twist a tiny bit. So this is a really handy, handy tool, which is, um, yeah, I, I found this here in New Zealand. I like that. my third favorite gadget is this. This is my pitch gauge and it's made. Uh, it was originally designed by the man who invented the row perfect row machine. That's why it says care, which is Casper. Casper, C-A, Rikas, R-E, that was his name. Um, and it's really good because it's stainless steel and it has a the 90 degree angle, which is the part that you put against the pin or the back of the gate, is a fixed angle. It doesn't have a hinge on it. So I do have one of the other uh, popular, uh, these uh, pitch gauges, but this has a hinged um, back. And one of the problems with a hinge is it introduces potential sources for error, particularly as you cannot tighten these screws. It's just a pin. And I don't know for certain that that is exactly 90 degrees around there. Whereas with this, it's freaking stainless steel. You're not going to be able to change it. And so that is something that I particularly like. And it has the spirit level. And it also has, though, a wing nut here. So you can actually tighten up the two arms. You basically push them together and there's a grade down the slope which shows you the number of degrees and if you hold it up to the sky like I'm holding it up in front of me now you can see really clearly at the point where the two meet at the intersection that's how many degrees you've got so I like that a lot and lastly just for Marlene the tool for your wing nuts so this is one that was made by a very canny Dutchman who lived in New Zealand, and he bought offcuts from saw blades. So these are toughened steel. Mm. He made this tool in two parts. So at the end there, you can see it has a 10 mil nut on the end, and then it has two prongs, one of which has a little loop for the lanyard to go through it. Those two prongs slide over the wing nut, and then you can rotate them. So that is very good for wing nuts. And it also works for the bung on coach boats because many clubs, you undo the bung when you take the boat out of the water, but it's actually quite hard to get the purchase on it. So he originally designed this for the bung on coach boats. Uh, thank you, Bruce Lodder. You're a very smart gent, um, but I also use it for wing nuts. Yeah, because underneath, I mean, underneath the tracks, one, yeah. it can be very difficult to get in there, depending on the boat and how far you have to reach. But the other thing is sometimes people really over tighten them and they don't oh, yeah. have to be over tightened. They over tighten them and then they get water and they get dirt in there and 
they can be very, very difficult to get a good purchase on it and open it. So tighten them snugly, but do not over tighten them. But, you know, yeah. it's better just to check them from time to time and, you know, feel, make sure your tracks aren't loose. But, but over tightening them is, is definitely a difficult no, problem no. to do. Oh. <laughs> well, there we go. Wasn't that fun? I rather enjoyed doing that. Yeah, it's sort of one of those things like we live we live with these, we have them with us all the time. And, you know, it just becomes, it's such a normal part of your packing up to go out on the water. You actually kind of, for, you take it for granted sometimes, but, it you know, a well thought out kit in your boat can, can definitely um, get you out of a pinch for sure. Now I'm going to finish with um, my friend Duncan's favorite tip. When you're in the boat park or at the rowing club and someone comes up and says, can I borrow your spanner? And you say to them, what do you say, Marlene? Oh, I hate sharing my tools. (laughs) I mean, what do you say? How do you politely say to them? Oftentimes, you know what, if I let somebody use it, I'll stay there and wait till they finish using it and until they give it back to me because they'll disappear otherwise. The other thing is label your tools. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that little piece of tape, label your tools, but definitely keep track of them. I mean, as much as you trust people, they get distracted, they forget, they may not intentionally not give it back to you, but tools have a way of walking away. So, so my response is, this spanner is a boomerang. <laughs> It comes back. So I make my point. I also tell them, look, please understand. I am really possessive about my tools and I will get really grumpy. So I tell them what what the um, the penalty is. But then I say to them, give me your sunglasses or your mobile phone. And they give them to me. And I say, you can have that back when you bring me the spanner back, particularly as a regatta, less so in the rowing club, because in the rowing club, someone will probably leave it on a chair or I'll tell them, put it back in. I have a very bright pink tool bag, but it's really good because then they'll go, where are my sunglasses? And then they'll remember mm-hmm. where their sunglasses are. Yeah, I like that. Ransom. Hold it. Hold it. Ransom. Yeah. It's a deposit. Exactly. Right. It's a deposit. <laughs> exactly. That's well, good. That's good. I will use that. Julie says she got her name engraved on her tools. Her rigger jigger is over 20 years old and it always comes back. Nice idea, Julie. I think that the thing about the ransom, when I was a kid, there was a wonderful children's book illustrator called Richard Scarry. And he had this character who was a gorilla who wore an overcoat. I've no idea. Just just go with me. And he used to kind of open the overcoat on one side and he had all of these wristwatches and then he had them like all the way up his arm. And I kind of feel like the coach is a bit like that. In the pocket of your jacket, you have five mobile phones and you have two pairs of sunglasses on your hat because <laughs> you collected them from people who are, they're going to remember why they haven't got their sunglasses. No, I think that that's a fantastic idea. Get a deposit. People will remember. Better yet, have your own little toolkit. Even if you row club boats, have something that you take with you in the boat for the for emergencies. You know, just at least know what's typical for the boat you row. What what two or three important things um, yeah. could help you? And you know, 
I know of a situation recently where somebody went out and the collar came loose on their oar and went right down the shaft. And it was May, the water was cold. That's a pretty difficult situation when you have when your collar isn't isn't uh, attached, right? So getting, you know, hopefully, I also stay relatively close to the shore when I row. You know, I'm not one of those people that goes like way out in the middle of the lake, you know, but some people do. So you have to think about those from a safety point of view. If something happens, you want to be able to get in. But if you've got a few small little tools like that, you know, you could have repaired that in the boat without disaster hitting. So precisely. One of the worst ever Christmas presents I gave my sister, I gave her a complete toolkit for rowing, two spanners and a tape measure and a screwdriver. And she was furious. She thought it was a complete waste of a Christmas present. Oh, she wanted something else, obviously. She wanted something else. But I bet she uses it, so. Exactly. No, you can never have too many tools. No. Now, I do have one final tip for boat clubs. If you have boathouse-owned tools, you know, a tool, a shared um, toolbox, one of the things that you can do in addition to, you know, naming things and marking them and painting them in club colors to ensure that tools don't get lost in the long grass is to use all of those backstays that have got bent over the years and are just kind of sitting on a shelf somewhere as spares. Cut down the backstay and buy a length of chain from your hardware store. So the chain goes from the tool to the backstay. The backstay is quite long and you can paint it in bright colors. It's really hard to put a backstay or even a half a backstay into your pocket. <laughs> and for this reason, it creates another incentive for people to bring their tools back and to make sure that the club tools do stay in the club. Yeah, or have a, a back on your tool tool bench, if you have six hooks with yeah. six spanners, at the end of the day, there should be, you know, you should be able to see really quickly one's missing or, you know, have a set way that things are hung up and then you know we're missing one, we're missing two and... Exactly. Sometimes I've seen this in bicycle workshops. They draw an outline of the tool under the hook. So you know that the correct tool is on the correct hook. Laverne says our club used car touch up paint to mark our riggers in case they get accidentally picked up by another club at a regatta or paint or nail varnish, she says, also works. That's a good one. Yeah. Karen in my club, she uses nail varnish. Yeah. Yeah, Julie says they have a pegboard with outlines. I mean, it is nice to have tools in the club, but they are just so walkable. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it costs money too, you know. I mean, it, it may not seem like a huge amount of money, but if, if you know, each wrench costs 6 or $7 and you lose mm. four or five of them, somebody's got to replace them, right? So Exactly. Well, thank you, everybody, for being with us on Faster Masters Rowing Radio this week. This has been the show dedicated to Masters athletes who want fun, fitness and confidence in their rowing. You can become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing program subscription today. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. And we look forward to welcoming you. For those of you who are joining us on the rigging webinar, it'll be next week. We very much look forward to seeing you there. 
Any last words, Marlene? I think um, keep up your good preparation for head racing. You know, it's going to be a fun month. There's lots of events going on in the United States for sure. And, uh, and Canada has added some races. So, you know, October is a pretty busy month as far as faster masters, rowing, athletes, racing. Go forth and multiply. Enjoy it, folks. Bye-bye.